everyone, and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Pierre. That is Tara. Greetings, citizens. Yes, uh, and this is going to be a science fiction movie podcast, which we do on a weekly basis. We talk about science fiction movies, movie films, pictures, they used to say in the olden days. In fact, at the time, ah, this, the pictures. The time this movie came out, they were probably calling it a picture. Uh, you know, I... That's something my mother used to always say when I was like when I was when I was, when I was little. Like all the adults used to call it going to the pictures. They never said cinema or movie movies or whatever. They said pictures. Mm. Wait, the pictures. I don't think any of the adults in Canada called it pictures. What did they call it? Uh, uh, to the movies. Big, big, big shiny slideshow. <laughs> is that what they called it? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that, that place you go to and the the room take. It takes you to a different place in the world. It's magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that old uh, story about the, the train comes at screen uh, and yeah. everyone freaks out. That was in Canada. It was Canadians that were all freaking out at the, the uh, train. That was France. And we make fun of it for them still. So. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, French Canadians are a thing. I wasn't a million miles off. <laughs> it's true. Wasn't a million. I mean, a few thousand miles off technically, but... <laughs> <laughs> but not a million miles off. Uh, so, Science Fiction Movie Podcast. Every week we get together to talk about a sci-fi movie. This week's episode is the original War of the Worlds from 1953. And this was a Patreon vote winner. Uh, every month on patreon.com slash TV, our patrons will vote between four films. And was this... F- four 50s movies i think it was this is the, this is the 50s yeah. vote yeah uh so war of the worlds beat out forbidden planet and a couple others and uh, uh here we are them mm, forbidden yes. planet and i can't remember the other one <laughs> it may have been it came from outer space but if it wasn't that it was something yeah, like that maybe uh because 50s had a lot to pick from so it wasn't obvious what the four were going to be uh we skipped the 40s but we we had a 30s vote we tried to do a 40s vote and then when we researched it found that there was almost no sci-fi movies worth watching from the 40s it's kind of a sci-fi-less decade uh i mean even the 30s doesn't have that much but the 30s did at least have four the 50s and a lot was that 40s no godzilla's 50s oh really yeah uh so uh the 50s is really kind of the start of a lot of sci-fi obviously like yes metropolis was the 20s there's a couple of big examples in the 30s the 40s didn't have much the 50s onwards is kind of when sci-fi really came into a consistent existence yeah uh so that's that's cool and we're, we're so we're here there's to talk a about lot of worlds. you know atomic age allegory mm-hmm. i mean this movie's no exception i think all the movies that we had up for vote were very much like fear of atomic weapons <laughs> oh sure i mean hell there's, there's a reason why our sci-fi podcast is called the atomic cinema experiment because uh the golden era of sci-fi if you will uh is all atomic based uh mm-hmm. so yeah uh so i don't think i'd seen this before i've seen i've seen the spielberg one a couple times but i don't think i'd seen this one before i had not seen it yeah so First, first time watch for both of us then. Uh, and, you know, in the past, when we've watched a, a classic like this for the first time, it has worked out for the most part. I mean, Day, Day the Earth Caught Fire, uh, I think we were both, we both walked out of feeling uh, really good. It was, it was yeah. a very good movie. I think we rated that one pretty high. Yeah. Uh, so I was hoping this would uh, live up to that and be, be another classic that I feel like, well, we've discovered. We've used the show as a good reason to discover another classic and see how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this one's more famous than Day the Earth Caught Fire. This is a, a, a big title. Uh, in fact, my main my main uh, exposure to this movie actually comes from one of my favourite movies growing up, uh, Explorers, which is a Joe Dante movie starring a young Ethan Hawke. Uh, 
uh, where they build a spaceship and go to space. But the, re- the reason why it exposed me to War of the Worlds is because the main character, who Ethan Hawke plays, uh, at the start of the movie, falls asleep watching this. So the noise of the aliens blasting things, I actually have in my mind from childhood. But it's because it's well, in that movie. I do as well, but only because the same sound effects are used in Star Trek. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, it's the photon torpedoes, the pew, pew sound, or the, I can't cre- recreate it, but you know, the, you know when you hear it. They're much slower and the, in Star uh, the Trek, the phasers though. are also the same ones that are used on, like, the heat ray. Uh, okay, okay. I don't even know this, to be honest. Uh, but, I mean, t- to be fair, the photon torpedoes are, aren't as quick as this. Like, they're much, like, this. the sound might be the same, but they're just one at a time, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm saying it makes sense. That I didn't notice them in Star Trek. Like I know I didn't notice that they were the same sound. Okay. I'm I'm trying to make myself feel better. Just go with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with it. Uh. So yeah. So uh, we'll start spoiler free. Of course, uh, we'll give you a warning before we get spoilers, and uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, plot's pretty simple. Some weird hot meteorites land on Earth, and eventually these saucer-like things with one sort of tentacle eye above it <laughs> come out and start decimating the planet and uh, a scientist by the name of Dr. Forrester uh, has love interest and some army generals have to try and figure out how to how to fight back and defeat the uh, the menace that is the Martians. In fact, the first thing I want to talk about is at the start of this movie, outside of, uh, there's like a montage of like World War One and Two footage of, uh, which I think is supposed to have the effect of, hey, look at all this old black and white footage. Now we're in colour because it's 1953. This is a very Technicolor movie, yeah. Because it's 1953 <laughs> and it obviously colours, this is not the first time, Wizard of Oz was the 30s, so I mean, colour had started to integrate into cinema for a while, right? It's bit, but... Black and white was still really common by the 50s, and I feel like they were going, hey, look at all this black and white stuff. Now it's new because we're in colour. Look at that. Uh, so, but after that, there's like a, a voice, a narrator, talking about like Martians, like their planet's kind of screwed, and how the temperature's too low. And we even see like cities on Mars, right, when they show it. And they start saying, oh, so they considered all these other planets in the solar system, and it like, it goes to a shot of like Jupiter and those like mountains and shit, and I'm like, this feels a little scientifically non-sincere. <laughs> I, as far as I'm aware, we don't even know what the surface of Jupiter looks like because the gas I'm, is so thick. I'm pretty sure it's just gas like all the way down. Yeah, but I actually, this bothered me so much, I googled Jupiter surface to see if like there was any like concrete not literally concrete, but concrete information. <laughs> and the, the and the answer, the answer I got first of all on Google was we don't really know for sure if there's a solid mass at the center, but if there is one, the temperature's so high that it's nothing like the solid mass that we have on Earth. But uh, it, yeah, isn't Jupiter like a failed sun or a failed star? Oh, I don't know. Do, do, do you know better than I do? But uh, I think I think so. Because, I mean, unless that's something I heard and mixed it up with real science. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me that, like, even the gas giants at their very center have a little bit of mass underneath all the gas. Obviously, you would never walk around on it because the, the the heat and the pressure of everything is just you know gargantuan. But uh, it makes sense that there's something in the middle. But yeah, to- I mean, this is definitely just. 
I don't know, their best guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is this is pre the moon landing. Well, it it pre- did make me think, like, wow, most of the stuff we know about the solar system probably really know because in the last like fifty years. Yeah, um, that's that's fair because it also cuts to Mercury. Says, oh, well, they couldn't go to Mercury because there's no air. And I'm like, as opposed to Jupiter and like, uh, like Saturn yeah. and the why other... would the advanced race of aliens consider any place but Earth? <laughs> like, I don't know. It was, it was it was such a weird line to me because I'm like, as opposed to all these other planets you've mentioned, you're saying they all have air. It's breathable. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bit of a weird start, but yeah. I like the campiness of it. And oh sure, I, I like all the visuals. Like they do look cool. They look cool. Some I... Really cool paintings. What's funny though is that the thing they show for Jupiter is actually what I think Venus is supposed to look like, <laughs> give or take. Or and I I was thinking it looked a lot like uh, the moon Io of Jupiter oh, because sure. it's closest moon because it's right on that point of there's like a a line of demarcation where if a moon crosses it will crack under pressure and turn into a ring mm. uh, and. The first moon of Jupiter, or the first large moon, Io, is like right at that point. So it's constantly like stretching and <laughs> and expanding, and but not breaking because it's not at that point. So that's why it's so volcanic. And ah. that's I was thinking maybe I misheard it and they were talking about Io. But I, I just always no, rem- it's definitely talking about Jupiter. Yeah, it's definitely about Jupiter. Um, I always remember uh, Venus being the volcanic. Because because one one of the, the the weird bits of trivia that I always remember is that Venus is hotter than Mercury, even though Mercury is closer to the sun. Because um, Venus, Venus has an atmosphere. Mm. See, you know things. I didn't know. I I I, I didn't know Mercury didn't have an atmosphere. So no, it, it's too close. Oh, so, I mean, so if technically, it, if it does, it would be like nothing. But I'm pretty sure it's too close to the sun to have one. Well, in that case, technically, when they say there's no air, they literally mean there's no air of any kind. So I suppose, in a sense, that line was accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> technically, that was accurate. Yeah. It came off sounding stupid because I'm like, yeah, because the air on Jupiter is also breathable, but just there's all these other problems. <laughs> the, yeah, the opening scene of this of this movie with the narrator doing this, like, I don't know, this like newsreel <laughs> is uh it it kinda I don't know puts everything in a in a weird start. Is, <laughs> it kinda it, comes off as really hokey and it's also very like, almost like a movie that should be older than it is. It's very fourth wall breaky because it's like, why did we even know some of this stuff? Like uh they, they looked at these planets and they did this and they did that and they had their eye on Earth, like, you know. I was I was thinking maybe it was because the Orson Welles radio show was so famous at the time that it was kind of like mm. a nod to that to have a narrator like have this introduction but I, I don't know for sure mm. so yeah um, so yeah Meteor 8 lands and uh, eventually stuff comes out after some uh, one of the most 50s things about this movie actually is so we bring in the scientist Dr. Forrester who yes I, I, I mean I'm going to assume that the character in Mystery Science Theater was named after him yeah, I, it has to no be. doubt. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't actually know, but after watching the movie, I went, "Oh, that's where that comes from." Yeah, I mean, because let's face it, the people making Mystery Science Theater three thousand have seen more of the worlds. It's up their alley. <laughs> yeah, they're <laughs> all movie fans. They've watched it. Um, so, so does this mean you're right? The, the the scientist has been brought in, and he sort of 
meets this this woman who's just kind of out of college and is a fan of scientists and him specifically and they kind of like they're, they're talking a little bit and it's like hey well we can't do it until this meteorite's cooled down it's far too warm to do anything with it so it's going to take about 24 hours of anything to do in town and her uncle uh, who's a pastor like a invites him to live with them for the for the night at least and oh the 50s and then he says <laughs> is there anything to do in this town and he goes, well, there's a, there's a square dance tonight at the whatever place. And it cuts to them all square dancing. And it, like, he's dancing. with, And I'm like, this is World of the Worlds. Why is there a square dancing scene? What's happening? Yeah, they have a hoedown. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't anyway. hate the scene. And I'll explain why later. But. Um, I, I, mean, I don't hate the scene. It, was, it made me laugh because it was just... So, this is such a 50 sci-fi movie thing to do is to cut to a, a square dancing scene. That's whatever. Anyway... I'm getting to the question. Tara, <laughs> did you enjoy The War of the Worlds? Yes, I did. I did like it. I think it's, I don't know if it's a, it's not up there with like the day the earth caught fire for me. Mm-hmm. Or of course, with uh, the day the earth stood still. Of course. The day of movies are still better, but I do think it's still pretty good. Um, it especially gets better as it goes on. Mm. and uh yeah i liked it yeah i i thought it was good as well i i I agree it's not really up to the standard of some of those other classics i think it's maybe dated a bit more than some Mm -hmm. of those other ones there's there's definitely some hokier elements to it um and not just because you can see the strings on the the saucers (laughs) i love it yeah you can (laughs) i love that stuff though joe the weird thing about this is that it's in badly need of a proper restoration but the detail and that the hd is still really good i looked it up there is a 4k version i think through itunes but this this is the weird thing though that this i mean the version i watched was 1080p and it it was good 1080p in the sense that I, i bought an hd version because the, the, the detail was clearly very good like the actual detail in the image in terms of like the, the the you know the, the the grains in the face and all that kind of stuff it looked really good and detailed it just also happened to be covered in the specs constantly like there was a constant sort of it was like a really good transfer but in, but the, tr- yeah. the, the the film they used had a lot of dirt on it and a lot of specs uh so i mean the yeah fo- there's a lot of like double image yeah going on to you the the fork so the 4k the 4k could be the same thing where it looks even better than this does in terms of raw resolution but the 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 dirt of the image is still there it's because i've not removed it yet for whatever reason yeah that's odd i'll steal a phrase from another podcast that i like it's uh this movie's a criterion cry for help (laughs) (laughs) uh maybe we need a restoration (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe Paramount will uh, pony up or something. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, the the movie's pretty solid. Um, it's definitely got its hokier elements, uh, but some of its key scenes really do stand out. I, I think it falls into yeah. a trap that a lot of sci-fi does from this era where there's like at a certain point there's just like montages of like the army moving around and like montages of like you know things that don't really mean anything or matter to us that much it just it's meant it's there to make it feel bigger it's meant it doesn't make it feel like it's global when ultimately it's the stuff where it's like just like a couple of characters try to hide from like one like eyeball that's really yeah. engaging that's the stuff that's really cool and really works and still holds up for the most part there's some mob scenes that i found truly scary too Oh, towards the end, yeah. There's, there's, there's yeah. There's yeah. some. I mean, again, it's one of those things where I wish you went into it more, rather than just have one scene, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, where it kind of came out. Of, I mean, not nowhere, but like, 
you know, at 90 minutes, if it's not even 90, it's 85 minutes, like, you, you, there's a reason why a modern version of this uh, runs two hours, or at least, because to really, like, delve into some of the ideas, you want to give them time. You want to g- really give it the, mm-hmm. su- the suspense. Uh, and movies of this time, almost as an effort of cost and what they could achieve just have to do it as in the quickest most succinct way possible uh and just sort of you know almost too much because i feel like modern day movies have went the opposite way where everything's too bloated now movies from the 50s were sometimes far too lean right is, is about, that's why movies from the 80s are great movies that, that's the middle ground that we all love <laughs> not too bloated not too lean very yeah. good i um yeah, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think this is the same director as The Time Machine, and there's a lot of parallels with that film as far as production and direction wise, which um, I think are I'm unfortunate. You are but... incorrect. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that in a harsh way. I just I checked and he didn't direct Time Machine. Oh. I don't know why I thought I saw that. Is it just because it's H.G. Wells? Same writer? Uh, let me check. Let me check. If Barry Lyndon Barry, also... Barry Lyndon? Did he do the time machine? Let me go. Check 1960. No. <laughs> oh. Well, I clicked around and I thought I saw that. I mean, it shows us just because it's H.G. Wells' novel. Hmm. Maybe. I th- I thought it was the same director because I thought I read on the trivia that the Wells estate was impressed with the adaptation of the movie that they gave the rights to uh, the director to do the time machine. Maybe he didn't do it, or maybe they just gave the rights to Paramount to do that film as well. I mean, maybe he produced the time machine but didn't direct it. I mean, that's possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. But, yeah, uh... I was going off of the trivia. <laughs> Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it, just, maybe it was just Paramount. Maybe it was just the company, the studio, rather than mm. the person. Maybe. Maybe I should do my research. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's a sense of discovery early on. There's a sense of horror when things get going. Uh, there's one particular scene with uh, the, the main lady's uncle that I really liked. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was actually surprisingly dark. Probably the darkest scene in the movie in a lot of ways. Uh, especially yeah. for the time period, that that, that that moment for the time period especially felt quite this, dark. This movie has a lot of like religious themes in it, and it di- mm-hmm. didn't expect that turn so much. Or like, I don't know. I guess we can explain more when we get into the breakdown of the scenes. But yeah, I feel like today you do that scene in a movie for for comedy's sake. You do it to sort of show like you've got a bit of an edgy humor to you. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like at this time, though, this was meant to be like, no, this is how serious this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, that's fine. It works. Uh, God can't help you. <laughs> God can't help you. Until he kind of did in the long run. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's open to interpretation. The, the narration definitely leans towards this was God that helped out <laughs> by the time we get to the end. But, you know. I mean, maybe, yeah. There uh, is a. It is described as a miracle, but, <laughs> but I think once you get into like what actually happened, I don't think you can give credit to God. 
Oh, I agree. Again, I guess for me, <laughs> everything's very scientific. I, I, the, the dialogue at the With end, the exception though, of the one guy who just happens to have a pocket watch, like not a pocket watch, but a pocket compass. Yes, uh, <laughs> everything's very based in science. Yeah, the, the narration. It's not just the narration, though. There's like a line at the end as well. There's two. It's not just the, the word miracle. There's another line as well, like uh, something like uh, I don't know. But the word God was mentioned at the end. Like, it wasn't just that, that the miracle line. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, it, it suffers from that thing where the characters are kind of thin, right? There's a lot of these sci-fi movies from this era that feel... And I think that's where actually The Day the Earth Caught Fire really impressed me, is that I felt the two, two or three leads of that movie really mm-hmm. had proper characters. They properly felt, like, well-developed, and I really cared about them by the time we got to the end. The characters in this kind of just exist to be there. They're almost like characters that you'd put in like a slasher movie in the sense that they're there to have She's this... a screamer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, she can scream. She's got some pipes on her. They utilize those screams a lot. <laughs> yeah, I bet she, but they're basically just there though for the plot to happen around them as opposed to... Look, this is kind of what I was saying a lot with The Time Machine actually in the sense... And I think this is better than The Time Machine overall, but it's kind of that thing where... Yeah, we do. The, the movie's there to sort of almost prove that they can do it as opposed to actually make a really good story if that, does that make sense like we can we can pull this off we can have a, a movie with this these alien like ships and yeah i mean they try to add more character to it because i don't think like the original book has a love story in it and this one has a love story but it's a it, it is a bit i mean thin. yeah i mean it's, it's it's just a basic leading man has love interest they, they kiss by the end like maybe did they kiss i actually don't think they even kiss now <laughs> they right. don't i actually thought it was kind of they hug. nice that the relationship was mostly like i don't know kind of professional and like maybe a little flirty but also it's the end of the world so <laughs> like we don't really have time for that i, I mean i don't know by the time we get to the end and i felt like <laughs> the way they were sort of running after each other through a crowd i felt like ah they're, they're in love <laughs> we're there well, I mean, she kind of sets up something that pays off at the end that says, okay, yeah, maybe they're in love. But, I mean, she clearly has a lot of respect for him. And, I don't know, they, they for most of the movie, they seem like colleagues. Hmm. I don't know. The, the, square no. da- the square dancing together, like, in the second scene. Very erotic. <laughs> what did you watch? <laughs> very erotic square dancing. Have you ever seen square dancing? <laughs> no, because it's a dumb American thing. <laughs> there's nothing erotic. <laughs> With the exception of Coyote Ugly, there's nothing erotic about square dancing. <laughs> uh, that movie came out when I was, what, like 11, 12? It was the perfect time for that movie to appeal to me. Yeah, for you to go, who is Tyra Banks? <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Hello, Lakes. <laughs> yes 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 the, the, it, w- it was a fascinating time um you know it yeah. was at that age where that was really enticing but also i was young enough to still appreciate the fact that it was just a pg-13 that was teasing me <laughs> yeah now, it's the maxim magazine of movies yes yes <laughs> yes uh, not quite porn <laughs> not quite porn yes uh and that leanne rame song is still just sort of nestled away in my head somewhere because it played all the goddamn time oh because uh, well, i'm glad we learned this fact today well that, well that was that <laughs> era where i'd have music channels just on the background all the time 
and that was something that just played ad nauseum. You had that, you had Blue Abadie Abadai. <laughs> you had... Abadie Yes. YouTube, YouTube, Beautiful Day played a lot at that time. There was... Ugh. I don't know if I've told you this, but I, uh... Mm. I hate you too. Whoa. They make my ears bleed. Yeah, I was going to do a joke there, but you said your next sentence too quick. <laughs> I know. That's why I always have to. Because <laughs> so, everyone thinks they're being so clever. I hate you too. <laughs> Maybe that's why they named their band that, because no one can say that they hate you too. No one can say they hate me, I agree. Yes, exactly. Um... Look, I gotta go do the cheap pop, alright? Yeah, I'm sure you got a lot of laughs just now. We're on a podcast. Well, the laughs aren't for the joke itself. The laughs are for the misery that I'm putting you through by insisting that I do the joke. That's what the joke really is. Is this a bonus bit yet? <laughs> it's been like 30 seconds. <laughs> Hold your horses, right, woman. Let's, let's keep going. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm probably ready to go to spoilers soon. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about. Do you want to talk about the designs of the aliens, the ships, the yes. destruction, the effects, all that stuff? I think the model work is really fun and really, really cool and definitely looks alien. It, it looks nothing like the designs. Like, it's not a tripod, <laughs> which is what we're used to. Yes. Uh, but it's uh, it's still kind of cool. I mean, I think they're described as like swans because they have those long bodies or the long necks. But it is sort of like a mixture of like a a cobra snake riding a manta ray. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's like a mistake that they have that blue hue from it from the blue screen that they used to use for models. Mm -hmm. But I like the effect that it gives the ship because it kind of makes it look like it's glowing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, it works here. I mean, like I say, when you're—I don't know if it's the same in that standard definition, but in HD you can see the strings like almost oh, all yeah. the time. Yeah, uh, you know, and you can also see the backdrops a lot really easily. You can really tell it was just like a you know a painted backdrop and like a lot of the scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's what—it's whatever. It's fine. It's all the time. It's got charm. I think that's why those yeah, things. It's like the old Godzilla films too, are like that. I mean, yeah. maybe not so much the first one as the sequels, but I mean, they looked—they look kind of cheesy, or yeah. but. I, there's some there's just a little bit of charm i actually i think part of it is because because a lot of movies were still on black and white i feel like because you got away with it a little bit more in black and white because it hid it a little bit better uh mm-hmm. it was almost like an adjustment period where yeah where we have to figure out how to do this in color now yeah it was kind of like when uh, we switched to hd from sd and like a lot of the uh like the, the, the daytime soap operas and stuff had to like rebuild all their sets because they intentionally were really cheap and it, once they started yeah. shooting in HD, it was like, hey, they can oh, we tell... We have to have real books now. Yeah, we can, they can tell how bad this looks now. We have to redo this. We have to repaint everything and, you know, put in detail. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I really like the design. I think they look pretty cool. They have that glowing eye, just like uh, Gort did in um, the Daily Earth is still. Mm. That's kind of neat. Yeah, the RGB eye as well. It's, it's red, blue, and green. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Oh, I don't really like the alien. I like the arm. The arm is cool. Yeah, but, but the, the su- alien with the the sucky yeah, fingers, they're... the suction fingers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the salt monster in Star Trek. Ah. 
<laughs> Season one episode. <laughs> I think the second episode. Yes, 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 yes. It's easy to reference Star Trek when we're talking about fifty sci-fi. Yes. I know. I know. <laughs> it's uh, I, I, I like the the look of like the skin and how it's kind of like, I don't know, like breathing or throbbing, <laughs> but. I the eye thing that it has with the with the different colors, uh, I don't know. It looks kind of corny. Um, I don't well, think it really holds up very well. Yeah, I like like you say the breathing's good, the fingers are good. Um, I like the eye on the ships rather than on the uh, the aliens themselves because because yeah. it's the same three colors, the same RGB kind of design. Uh, I, I like that well enough on the ships. Uh, but you know, it just looks like they're wearing another suit on the alien. Sure, it doesn't look. It it, it looks. I don't know. It it doesn't look like a living creature. Yes, for with the exception of the skin. The skin is gross. <laughs> and living things are gross. Yes, we've established this many a time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we'll go to spoilers then I will use this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month uh, so thank you to David Shaw, Alison M. Fordyce Cindy Palacios and Tyler Hess for being our Patreon producers, that means that they are patrons at the $20 tier or above but you don't have to support us at that amount do you Tara? Mm-mm. Nope if you want to support just a little you can do just a dollar per month at our patreon page it's patreon.com slash tv and that dollar will get you bonus episodes of the ace we do the trancers saga <laughs> which i say every week because it's fun to say and uh we do other movies that uh, get skipped on here for i don't know what our our cutoff is to what makes a bonus movie or not, but you know, you know it when you see it. It's like yeah. porn. Yeah. So <laughs> check it out. Check out our list. <laughs> you know when you see it, it's like porn. Yeah, so there's a back catalogue now you can get for your dollar, so yeah, go and have a look. Five dollar tier gets you access to voting once per month and early access to episodes every week so go, go, go have a look uh but anyway so yeah full spoilers full spoilers for the original war of the worlds um so there's a couple of key moments and scenes we have to talk about i think uh, i think i do love the uh when it kills uh people there's the three guys that it kills mm-hmm. the first time where it just beams at them and they, they all die but the big one is definitely the priest it's definitely the, <laughs> the pastor the uncle who who who's basically upset that the army's getting ready to fight and it's like but why don't we try communicating yeah, yeah. we've not even tried he makes a good point being peaceful <laughs> with them yet we've, we've not tried to talk or you know come to terms so he walks out essentially and it, all, it even looks like no man's land he walks out into no man's land and he's got he's got his bible in his hands like i am here on behalf of people of earth and he's like doing a prayer as he's walking up to the 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 alien tripod the thingamajig and it just kills him dead and you know everyone freaks yeah. out it's kind of glorious can't save you from this situation yeah which i thought was kind of uh cool and <laughs> also a uh, pretty brave because like his argument was if they are more advanced than we are then they should be closer to the creator and this movie's pretty heavy on the religion mm. and clearly pro-christian but how can you have an alien movie and and God who created man in its image, but have aliens that are more advanced than us? So it's, it can be 
kind of confusing. And <laughs> uh, I think it's, I don't know, I thought it was a, a brave decision to, to make that scene, but also, what are you trying to say, movie? <laughs> I think, as a man with my sense of humor, this scene was hilarious to me. <laughs> so when you said in the future this would be played for laughs yes in a future film but that already played for laughs for you it didn't for me for me it was well, just like well no, no. Like, i mean oh, it's getting serious i found it funny but i don't think it's meant to be funny in the movie i found it funny because i'm me <laughs> What, what I didn't I, find it funny. What I meant was, though, is that if someone put this in a movie today, it would be intended for laughs. Yeah, like, your your Bible isn't going to protect you. But here it's like, oh no, the Bible's not going to protect you. Mm. <laughs> that always works. Yeah, yeah, because we're much more cynical. Well, of course it's not going to protect you, but... You know, maybe in 1953 that worked. Maybe in 1953 that was like, "Yo, geez, this is scary now." Uh, like, you know, what's... <laughs> uh, this is this is the 1953 equivalent of The Exorcist when, like, you know, Reagan just starts like, you know, I don't vomiting. know, vomiting and you know, killing priests and whatever else. Uh, but that entire stabbing yourself in the crotch with the cross. <laughs> the dark movie. It's a very dark movie. I don't think... It, see, when I saw that movie as a relatively young fellow, I don't think I understood that she was masturbating with a crucifix. <laughs> it wasn't until I was a bit older that I, I sort of got that. I was like, oh, she's violently masturbating. That's what's happening right now. Okay. Uh, and, yep. <laughs> and you, this is the thing. Like, if, if you just show someone the scene on its own, they might say, well, it's not really masturbating. It's just stabbing. But so much of what she says to taunt her mother is sexual that it is it's definitely meant to be definitely a sexual yeah. implication so <laughs> um do, do we not recall your mother sucks cocks in hell i mean that that's one of the most famous lines in the movie that poor little girl <laughs> actually my favorite movie with linda blair in it is a, a really trashy like action revenge movie called uh oh, what's it called Sh street something what was the sequel she did for Exorcist, though, when she got older? Sequel? And it was, like, super meta? You mean Heretic? Repossessed. Oh, Repossessed. Oh, right. <laughs> that's not a sequel to it. That's just that's like a meta take on it, right? Yeah, it's like a... It's, it's kind of like a sequel, I think. Ah, Savage Streets. That's what it is. Because she's, like, the, the badass teenager who gets, like, a, a machine gun and takes on the gangs. <laughs> If we if we ever do cool. that if we ever do that action movie spin off we joked about uh, that can go on the list. Um, so Savvy Streets with Linda Blair with the big eighties hair. I'm ready. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like I think of her as a little girl and she's got a cameo in Scream but that's like twenty years later. But yeah, oh yeah, of course by the eighties she'd have been like a, you know old enough to be like the the eighteen year old badass. Of course she would have been. Uh, it's weird how time moves like that. Uh, so, yeah, priest death, good scene. Uh, the other big scene I think is you know after the the first attack happens really, and the scientist uh, Forrester and the love interest get separated. Uh, well, not, not from each other, but they get separated from everyone else, and they mm -hmm. end up hiding in a barn or a little farmhouse, and they try to have some eggs, but they're interrupted by one of the alien ships who 
basically just decimate the house and they're rolling all over the place and when they wake up this is when we get the scene where they're actually dodging the eyeball which uh you know it's just fairly effective and then they actually see the alien and it kind of scutters back i, I thought it was kind of funny how it, kind of, it almost dances back out of the scene it almost does a little dance mm-hmm. uh <laughs> but it was it was a fun scene it was a fun scene um that i i, I really get into i i think for me yeah, that had a lot of tension in it yeah for me it's, it's after this the movie kind of falls falls down a little bit for me because a lot of it's just the army generals talking about their plans it doesn't really mean much there's you know a lot lots of shots i don't of, know i like the uh i like the movie more as it goes on i kind of bounce back and forth with it because I, I i think a lot of these movies from this era kind of end up feeling the same when it cuts to the army generals talking about oh so this is moving here we're going to do this and and whatever and like and don't get me wrong. yeah but it's bound to happen because we have atomic bombs at this time so if you have to fight something that is defeating you that's our last hope and of course the army's the one yeah, but it's never. Yeah, but it's never a character we get to know in these movies. It's always just the army show up and we have to listen to them talk. Like a good. Well, we meet the general guy pretty quickly. The guy with the mustache. Yeah, like once, but I mean, you don't know his name. He's not got a character. He's not got an arc. His name is General. <laughs> Less. Maybe that's the actor's name. <laughs> no, nah, his, his name is... He's Ma- a two-star. He's Major General Man. His name is Man. That's how generic he is. <laughs> What's my last name? You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's Guy from Galaxy Quest for anyone who didn't know. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Uh, the quote-unquote red shirt. <laughs> he can't say red shirt, of course, because they can't officially use Star Trek terms, but... Um, although, do you think red shirt is something they could actually like claim as theirs, like Paramount, if they want to sue? Like, because technically, it's not a thing they use in the show. That's something that the fans have used. To dis- I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the army stuff just kind of like it's whatever. It's the same in all these movies, which is why. But you, you can tell the movie loved the shots of the the aliens going down the street, blasting buildings because there's a lot of it. Like once it gets to this part it. of the movie, there's tons of it. Uh, and I'm okay this is with that. we get the best model work. Oh sure, yeah, the model works great. I because uh, because this is where the movie gets to its, to its darkest point because it gets to. Uh, a scene where they're still trying to figure things out and Forrest, Forrester's trying to figure things out and there's actually, they get everyone gets separated in the city because at this point there's riots because certain cities are already falling victim to the aliens and it's all over the planet and basically Yeah, they just sound like the siren and I think it was right after the they tried doing the atomic bomb on the alien yeah. and it had no effect Yeah, well, cause and that's so the- then we're like that's the other thing. Dead. When they try and shoot it even before the atomic bomb, you see like a force field around it. Now, admittedly, it's kind yeah, it of... It looks like a glass yeah, thing. Like, it looks like a jar. I don't know. Yeah. adorable. It looks like Mr. Freeze's helmet. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It looks like that's on top I of it. I was them. thinking the rose for Beauty and the Beast, but we have very different childhoods. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can picture it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um but he gets basically looters just steal the truck and steal all the equipment that's on it and it leaves him lying there kind of bloody and he's like damn you people you're ruining the only chance they we've got they pull him out of the car while he's driving 
Yeah. And like punch him. It's pretty <laughs> vicious. And then, they, and then he gets like trampled. He gets stepped on a bunch of times. It's, it's, like such, a, it's such a weird thing. Bloody. It, the, the movie's willing to like pose all these interesting things, but it only ever does each one for one scene. Like, you know, yeah. it'll, it'll do the angry mob for one scene. It'll do, uh, you know, how bad humanity is for that one scene. It'll do putting their faith in religion for one scene. It'll do, you know, it'll do all these things for one scene. But it won't necessarily ha- like like it. This movie to me, like a lot of these movies from this this era, feels like a collection of ideas they had, as opposed to like a coherent full movie that goes from start beginning middle oh, end. No, I I sort of watched it like, okay, let's try this method, and that doesn't work. This method, and that doesn't work. So now we're gonna try this. Like they're going through the steps of everything they're going to try, and it, the aliens are just bigger and more powerful than all of them, which you know culminates to the big ending. Yeah, but it feels very basic. Like one, one again, going back to Day that the Earth Caught Fire, or even Day the Earth Stood Still, is that those main characters become real characters with arcs and like have stories throughout that, that give it a through line that make everything feel like it has more weight. Because there's no characters I really get to know in this, they're all just kind of like there. Like it's a very kind of cold movie where I feel like I'm at a distance from everything, and it's it's a fine watch, it is, but it has that disconnect for me. Uh, it never it, yeah. it, can, it can never be that good compared to some of those other ones because. It's just a collection of the ideas of what would happen in this situation, as opposed to actually giving me a storyline with a character who's going through the whole thing. Um, so it's, it's lacking that for me. It's, it's lacking that personality, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't say I disagree, but I still, I don't mind the, the formula of this for this type of film. Like, we are trying everything that we can as we think of it, and it's getting progressively more and more like desperate um, because everything they've tried previously doesn't work. And then, and the payoff in the end is that, you know, none of that stuff was ever going to work because we just had to put faith in nature and it's, or I guess in this movie's argument, God, but um, I still, I, I don't, you know, not care about our two leads. I mean, I'll, they're, they're we, like, we see them enough, and you know, <laughs> we see them enough. Listen to your your argument there. We see them enough. I mean, okay, <laughs> I guess they're they're kind of the equivalent to um, the the Godzilla character, human characters in the in the twenty thirteen fourteen movie, yeah. twenty fourteen Godzilla. We're just like okay, they're they're here so that we can you know, see where Godzilla is. <laughs> we're not we're not watching the movie for them. That's true. But we're watching it for the disaster. Yeah, I would argue though that the humans in Godzilla twenty fourteen have more though than these characters do. Um maybe. I don't know. We'll have to watch it again. How, how successful it is is another debate, but like I, I think the dude it still feels like you're following it's- our I think this movie character. has big ideas that it doesn't quite get across as well as like the day of the blank blank <laughs> <laughs> movies do but it's still like they're still there they're just not as in your face like you know after the atomic bomb doesn't work and then people look at the scientist guy and they're like it's on you like only great mi- scientific minds can save us now because our weapons won't work and you know the pressure is on him to do it and as he gets the stuff he needs that he thinks will take down 
you know, we have to go after the actual aliens, not the armor. Uh, so let's go biological and all the things that he needs, he can't get to because there's a mob. And even when he has the stuff he needs, the mob punches him in the face when he tries to get it back. Like it's uh, because the world is ending. So like there are themes there. Like once yeah, but they're, they're very, we get to a place uh, we can't go back from. They're very isolated. Like, they're, they're very isolated, though. Though, right? Like, they're not like the, the movie is a collection of ideas that are sort of stitched together. It doesn't really feel like a coherent whole to me in the same way that like a movie that has a through line does. If it feels very like okay, we had this idea for this thing, or H.G. Wells had wrote the book, I should say, but like it feels more like let's prove that we can actually pull these things off, and they do it to the best of their ability. But they do it without actually building a core story of a character that actually carries us through it and makes us care about what's going on. It's it's all very just, we're supposed to care because the world's in jeopardy. But that doesn't work. It never works. I don't care about the world. You can tell me the world's in danger, but it's meaningless if there's no one in it I care about. Writing 101. I, I, I did care about them, though. Why? Like, not as much <laughs> as, like, the other films, but I don't think that they're bad characters or no, I mean, not terrible written characters they're, they're likable enough but they're not like like and i'm sounding like really negative on this now and i don't mean to be like i, I think it's a fine <laughs> movie but i think i think it's there's a ceiling here there's a ceiling to how good it can be because it's, it's got all these limitations and i'm not talking about limitations of technology or special effects i'm talking about limitations in the script and what it chooses to focus on um like you, you you could do this movie like 12 Angry Men. Never show me anything. Just have the characters debate the rights and wrongs of what to do. But it's never really becomes that interesting. You know, it, it, it's, it's more just, we'll try each thing once and it'll fail. <laughs> so we'll go to the next thing. Um, I guess, but I think because of the way it ends in the book and the, the, how they choose to use that ending in the film, I think that escalation of events is a good way to tell the story. It can be, but like each part needs more time spent on it. I I need to go through this with the character getting more and more frustrated because nothing's working. It doesn't really feel that when I'm watching it. It just kind of feels like, like our main character, Forrester, essentially just kind of is there while the army's doing stuff and doesn't really have much of a say or anything to do with anything. And it's not until later on he's, he's, he's kind of directly involved. Like, the frustration of him when he can't get to the equipment because people are awful, like, that would play mm-hmm. even better. If, if he's been trying things all movie and he thinks he might have a chance finally and then he can't do it because people are awful, like, that would re- that could really hit home. That could really feel devastating at that point in the movie. As it is, it feels like a cool little point. It feels like a cool little idea. But it doesn't really feel yeah. like it actually has a big dramatic impact in the context of a movie as a whole. I feel very disconnected watching movies like this from this era because they, they just kind of... Go, it's the same thing with The Time Machine, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Which It's not just because it's a H.G. Wells thing, but it's the exact same thing where it feels like, let's just prove we can pull this off so we'll, we'll do all the core beats without any of the actual... Yeah, but rate. they really couldn't in The Time Machine. Like, it's a fun movie, but that one was super hokey. Joe, you know, you know, and this is this is like a big insult. It kind of it kind of reminds me in a weird way of like something like uh, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, where he just wants to prove that he can do the everything in the book beat for beat, to without actually putting in the the core heart of it that actually makes you care about it. Um, these are kind of like a more old school version of that where like, we'll prove we can do the story, but there's not actually that core real thing we should care about in the center of it 
Do you think you would like this movie more if it was black and white? Because th- <laughs> I think a lot of it comes from just the fact that the the model work it really takes you out of the movie. Like it's fun to watch, but it's also like, oh, this is uh, dated. Not really. Uh, well, none of my. I mean, everything I've been saying for the last ten minutes has nothing to do with that. Like, my, my, I don't know. My... I think maybe it can affect the way you watch a film. Oh, no, I can do, like, but I, but that's you know. not that's not my complaint. No, my my complaint is purely a writing thing. My complaint is purely the focus of what it's doing in the script. Um, that, 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 I mean, this is the equivalent of a like you know a modern blockbuster that which doesn't give enough time to the characters, right? Um, like modern blockbusters that are bad will still give characters time per se, but they won't actually write compelling characters. Whereas back in the fifties when they do sci-fi movies like this, their mistake isn't so much that they don't write the characters. Uh, properly they just don't write them at all <laughs> they just don't give them much to do they're just kind of there um yeah they're, they're i, I like the, the side characters that we got too though like even they all had some personality at least like especially the three guys that we meet at the beginning who get torched oh sure yeah I mean, like i don't want to sound too harsh like I, I, there's, there's little things to them but i, I don't think that there's uh that that core dramatic through line to make me care about everything that's going on it's a very just okay. kind of series of events of a movie um and a lot of those events are really entertaining and a lot of it has charm and a lot of it has all these things uh but as a as a fully functional movie i don't think it's it's great it's good it's not great because it doesn't have those things yeah i certainly wouldn't put it up there with the with the greats either but I, I i don't think it's bad at all like and i know you don't either but like it's i, I still i i still think it's really really watchable <laughs> and worth watching joe i've noticed something see because i've got a funny feeling we're both gonna end up rating this really close together but for some yeah, reason probably. you have this knack for making me sound like i'm being really negative because you don't want it to be sound too harsh so you always have to try and defend against anything i say that's negative I didn't think you would pick up my strategy, but uh, clearly I was wrong. I, I don't understand why. Why? Why do I have to look at the villain? I don't need to look at the villain. You could. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. So obviously, if you... a good good cop bad cop out of this. Also, when I don't like a film, uh, I think it'll be more impactful. <laughs> true true well let's see i'm the opposite i want it to be impactful when i do like a movie <laughs> i mm-hmm. want that to mean something when i hand out a nine or a ten it should feel like oh shit like peter really recommends this because he, he, he doesn't go up that high that often uh so yeah if you're not familiar with the end of the world of the worlds basically the aliens just suddenly start dying uh, all of a sudden even because it's like right before the main characters are probably going to die they've just been reunited in a church and uh the aliens just start killing over and dying and I do like the shot of the alien hand kind of stop moving because the yeah. hand looks cool. Uh, but basically, the bacteria and the germs and everything else on Earth Some is kind so- of an airborne virus that we're already immune to. Yeah. Well, I didn't even take it as just one. I kind of took it as like everything. Like, we're just, you know, we're all immune to all these things on Earth because we live here and evolution has just made us immune. Uh, but these uh, these aliens, not so much. So they just, they, they all start killing over. And. I, I do think it's funny because I remember seeing the, the remake and thinking how much that ending feels really abrupt uh, in that movie. Uh, it's even more abrupt here. The movie, like, from the second this starts happening, the movie's over within, like, two minutes. 
like it's mm-hmm. like you can time it it's like it's like 120 seconds from the second they start dying to oh end the end <laughs> like that the entire yeah. explanation happens in those two minutes it's it's, <laughs> it's a, a say of the times we but... credits like we used or we do now so it's just end yeah Boot. uh <laughs> so and i believe we are going to do the steven spielberg version of the film next week uh I think I think that would be fun. I think it would be fun to do the classic and then the the remake, especially since you sound like you really want a remake. Because <laughs> clearly you hate this film. Oh, shut up! Don't. <laughs> Every time I have like a, a, a reasonable criticism, like you make me sound like such a, a bad guy. I I don't. Because I'm the good cop. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, so, no, uh, and it's, it's fine. Like, and again, like my complaints about this are not about effects or anything like that. Like, I'm comparing to other movies of a similar era. Obviously, you know, Day of the Earth still is actually older than this. You know, fifty one. Uh, yeah, fifty fifty one. Uh, and then obviously, did a couple of years. Yeah, did the Earth caught got caught fires about ten years later. So maybe you could argue that's a bit newer. But I'm comparing it to the scripting of these other movies of the era, not like mm-hmm. other things. And I'm saying that no movies of that era could be as good as I'm saying they can be. There's the, there's my examples. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. So if you think I'm being too harsh because it's old, like no, <laughs> I'm I'm holding it to a standard that I have seen achieved in that era. Some of my favorite films of all time are from the fifties. <laughs> I know fifties is great. Hitchcock was in his like absolute like knockout era in the fifties, mm-hmm. and you know Godzilla was the fifties, and Ingmar Bergman was like doing Swedish gold in the fifties, like you know. <laughs> I love um, the Cecil B. DeMille films. I know they're maybe problematic but they're of their time <laughs> and a spectacle <laughs> sure sure uh uh so you know david lean was knocking out movies uh like you know the, the 50s is great 50s is great i think war of the worlds for me kind of falls into uh similar thoughts to the time machine it's better than the time machine it has more the visual spectacle is definitely better for sure um yeah but Falls and out. the sound design is really, really good. Not just because it's used in Star Trek, but like, I, I really do like the sound design of the film a lot. Oh, sure. No, I, I agree. So is it, the technical qualities are really good for, for the time. Um, but ultimately, I think it's kind of light on actual story content, which some of these sci-fi movies from this era fall into. Not all of them, but some of them do. Uh, so Is she one of the earliest Scream Queens then? And something? Anne Robinson. Not to be yeah. confused with the weakest link host. I've never watched that. Yeah, well, the, the, I don't watch trash. She she did do it in, in the US as well, so it's not even just a British reference like that. Like, uh, although that would be funny if she was just that old. Like, <laughs> the, the host of the weakest link was also starring in War of the Worlds in 1953. Uh, but uh, yes. Um, I love how you say that, like, I'm, like, you assume I've been watching, like, hundreds of episodes of The Weakest Link. I'm just familiar with it from pop culture. I don't know. I'm not, I've never seen an episode. Yes. I don't watch trash. <laughs> uh, what do you watch that I can make... sci-fi trash. <laughs> yeah, what do you watch that I can make fun of that I can call trash? Um, Game of Thrones, that's trash. Uh, so... We're at that point now of the show where you're going to rate the movie out of 10. Okay. 
I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's great. Um, so it's not going to get my top ratings, but I do think it's worth watching. And I think it's, uh, I think the design alone should, um, like people who are fans of science fiction should check this one out. Um, I think it has a lot of legacy to war of the worlds. Um, I believe, although I've had my trivia wrong so far, but it, I believe this <laughs> one was entered into like the, um, like national library of Congress for film preservation or something like that. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a film very much of its time and I'm, going to give it a 7.5 7.5 i think it's good not great definitely worth watching not great not terrible 3.6 <laughs> no it's much <laughs> that was a chernobyl joke i wasn't actually saying 3.6 <laughs> i know i <laughs> saw so i almost not great, not terrible. i almost wish we rated it a five because then 3.6 would be the right number for not great not terrible um <laughs> We could start for the new year. Nah, nah, I prefer 10. But just for just for that joke, it'd be convenient. Uh, so uh, I'm going to go with a straight seven. I think, uh, like you say, it has some... Uh, you hate this movie. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> it has some heritage value. It has some, uh, you know, legacy to it. It is worth watching for the cinema history aspect of it. I, I don't think it's like a super engaging story, per se. It's more a series of moments, but uh it's an easy enough watch and uh you know a bit of sci-fi history so uh yeah there you go uh I'll, I'll i'll argue with the title though i think it's more of an invasion of worlds because a war to me would suggest that it's sort of fought an equal footing which would like be in space there's atomic bombs used <laughs> the military is in half the film as a, a last-ditch effort <laughs> A last ditch effort. They're, they're playing defense. That's not a war. That's a that's a invasion I defense. I think that we America definitely declared war on the aliens. <laughs> oh dear. Um, all right. We are quick to declare war. So <laughs> there you go. That's uh, that is a uh, war of the worlds. Uh, we do actually have a bonus section this week. We have a mystery science theater two thousand to talk about. We'll talk about that in a second. We're just gonna, I'm just going to do some of the. Uh, the outro plugging before we get there so uh you can of course let us know what you think of war of the worlds in the comments below you can like and subscribe you can ding the bell on youtube for the notifications and you can support the show by rating the podcast on apple Podcasts. give us five stars more people will find us that way you can share us out on the social medias and as we mentioned earlier you can go to patreon.com slash tv and support us financially uh so you can do all those things and that's great and check out other stuff that we do tara i'd uh, recommend another mail tv uh piece of content um if you're really into trash tv you can check out the netflix almost canceled that you guys do uh you and connor do um see if there's any gold in that trash so yeah it's good it's a good show <laughs> did i do it uh, yeah, I mean, you technically did it. Um, uh, there was maybe a little bit of your uh, anti-Netflix agenda mixed in there <laughs> <laughs> that you couldn't hold back. But other than that, yeah, you did a, did a decent job. Uh, all right, so we did watch a Mr. Science Theater 3000, and because we have finished reviewing the TV shows we were doing, 
uh for the time being it does mean that those these might be a bit more consistent uh now there probably won't be one next week because we have a, a little end of year special thing to do instead but uh these mystery science theater 3000 sections should be a little bit more consistently done uh for the next little while so if you enjoy them you should be happy you should be happy indeed <laughs> good news good news uh so it's a christmas miracle we watched revenge of the creature and we watched this just Which is season eight episode one. Oh, so i love how you say christmas miracle that this will be like another two weeks before they see this episode it'll be mid-january and they'll be like what <laughs> But we did yep. we did watch the episode before Christmas. We watched this on like the twenty second of December, I think. That sounds right. Uh, it was a week ago. Yeah, uh, but it's been a full week, and I have to admit, waiting a full week to talk about uh, an episode of Creature from the Black Lagoon or an episode of <laughs> The Mystery Science Theater, which is Revenge of the Creature, is the movie, which is why I said that. It's probably a mistake. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was probably a mistake because I've got. I actually took notes, realizing that it would be difficult to remember after a week. Uh, and I actually, I'm looking at some of my notes and I have no idea what some of these mean. Um, like, they're clearly joke lines that the guy said and I, I hoped that it would trigger my memory. And some of them I kind of can figure out, but some of them I cannot. Uh, but the gist of the movie is that basically people in a boat go to capture the creature and they do so. And most of the movie spent with the creature in a tank at like a deep sea world. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the movie. And there's like a really bad romance playing out over the course of this. Yeah. Of course, he's a universal monster, so his one weakness is big boobied women. I mean, what you meant to say is, 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 is male, so his, his one weakness mm -hmm. is, is big boobied women. Who, yeah. who, who doesn't I mean, have that, that weakness? Isn't that like across the board of the universal monsters? Is that they all have one weakness? I mean, they're, they're fans of big boob boobied women, but that's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I, I can get behind me, but... I can get behind big boobied women okay <laughs> yeah it makes you sympathetic <laughs> towards the creatures mm -hmm. yes that's why the end of Frankenstein is so sympathetic yes yes he only wanted one thing his bride <laughs> big boobied bride it's yeah th this one is I guess I suggested we watch this one next because the last one we watched was Laser Blast, which was mm -hmm. the end of the uh, Comedy Central run. And this is the beginning of the Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> and they have new voices for uh, some of the characters, like Crow has a new voice. Uh, we get introduced to one of the new bads that we get for the rest of the series, Bobo. Because they come out of their little... Um, space-time warp thing where they turn into balls of energy and they come back onto the sound of love and when they call to Earth it's Planet of the Apes Earth. <laughs> yes. And so that's, that's kind of fun. There's like uh, 50 references to Planet of the Apes in the first like five minutes of the, the episode. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I think that's the best part of the episode. It's not a bad episode. It's just not one that I watch a lot so mm. I don't even really remember a lot of the jokes. That's some good ones. The first time you see the, the creature, it, it looks like he's waving because of the way the, the suit looks and because of the way the swimming hat is. Uh, so like... I think they used that clip in future intros. 
for the show. Yeah, because uh, they just say, "Here I am. I'm the creature." Hi, uh, you know, there's, there's a moment there. <laughs> uh, there's a running joke with one of the good-looking guys where they keep saying, "Oh, look at me. I'm handsome. Yes, I'm so handsome. Yes, I'm handsome." Like uh, that's kind of there for a long time. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, man, yeah, we can't wait a week again. <laughs> this is like I mean, I, I remember laughing at this slide. I remember laughing at going to write down that that uh, blonde joke. That was good, but I don't remember what it was in response to. So I can't explain why that's funny. But I remember laughing at it. <laughs> yeah, I I think this is a medium funny episode. Yes. Still highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I do. To, to be honest, I think this is on the the movie itself though because this is mm. like a big film it has it's a sequel to the creature from the black lagoon i think it's the second one it is yeah i, I checked when we were watching it it was the second one um i, I did like how he kept they kept referring to the sailors as the milkmen they kept saying oh the milkmen have shown up because because of the white u- uniforms have got uh <laughs> yeah. so yeah that's, that's all right uh i deduction that i remember laughing at that I deduction that. Yeah, was, was that, that was funny. Yeah, was that a blonde joke? Was that was, was that the 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 lady character who uh, they were putting that in? It might be. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah, a lot of these jokes. There's a lot of good lines I've written down. I just can't explain the uh, the context. Yeah. Uh, although this one's funny on its own. Honey, I did a scientific breakthrough thingy. <laughs> that one's funny on its own. Yeah. I know. Honestly, honestly, the movie, like, like they have it trapped in a, in a tank, eventually it gets out, and it starts stalking the uh, the lady, the love interest lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they, they have a bit of a fight with it, and it's pulling things down, because eventually it gets out of its chains, and it's, it's pulling people out of the water. Which, by the way, why does everyone in this movie, when they get pulled out of the water, do a flip? They all flip. They don't just fall in. Yeah. They have to do, like, a, a front flip. Yeah. I don't know why. If you're asking me why, I don't know. Old timey stuntman bollocks is, is, what, is what, what I call it. <laughs> this, I think, this movie was going for like a an early Blackfish storyline of why you can't keep nature in captivity. So mm. you know, pro animal rights film from the fifties. Not bad. I've got a feeling that the writer of this didn't even understand the concept of animal rights and just locked into that <laughs> by a complete accident that's my guess that's why the scientists are really the villains <laughs> yeah at no point does anyone say hey maybe we shouldn't like we should just leave him out there in his own natural habitat like where he belongs yeah, and it's just a king kong story right yeah, yeah that's basically what it is uh but it's all yeah there's so many scenes in the movie of like them gonna hit the tank where he is trying to like prod them or feed them or something and coming back up like that, that that happens like so yeah, many times yeah there's a lot of that like they, they, a they, lot of that they rented or they bought an underwater camera and they were so proud of the underwater camera that they used it <laughs> so much like all the time mm-hmm. even though there was nothing to do there's one thing I kind of liked in the movie where um, it's it's sort of it, it gets the creepiness right where he's like coming out of the water on that like restaurant that's on a dock mm-hmm and like coming towards the people there that was a good scene that was kind of like oh there's the universal monster anyway it was i think it was a good movie to open up the new mystery science theater like we have a big name mm. now that we have the sci-fi channel we have limitations of what types of movies we can do but we're going to give you names like 
creature from the black lagoon oh did, did they have more limitations on sci-fi compared to comedy central yeah so the sci-fi channel said we'll we'll give you guys um you know money to and to make a show for us but you can only do science fiction and horror films and that's it okay that's not so, so bad in the sci-fi era I went, okay, Mitchell was a bit of a gem, so it's a shame we can't do more of that. But, I mean, most of the best episodes are horror sci-fi movies, <laughs> let's be honest. Those are pretty easy to make yeah. fun of, as we both know, watching a lot of science yeah. fiction and you watching a lot of horror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I think most of their gold comes from those genres, so that's not the, the worst thing ever. Um, no. no. But, uh, yeah, that is what it is. I, yeah, I mean, the movie's dull, but, it, it, like... I get it because it's a big name, but it's also not so offensively bad that it's hard to sit through, like some of the other ones. So when mm-hmm. when they hit when they hit yeah, them, some with... of them could be pretty rough. And and that's the other thing. Actually, that makes sense why they were able to do this movie because Universal owns sci-fi, and Universal monster movies mm-hmm. <laughs> are obviously owned by Universal. So I feel like they got this, which one... is why this one is not available on YouTube. Yeah, that's kind of weird, uh, but that'll probably be why because it's a Universal movie. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I mean, I've never had any problem trying to find a copy of it on YouTube because, um, I mean, the the show creators and runners have always been saying, like, always said, we share the, our episodes. We want them out there for everyone to see. Mm. Right? They've never been stingy on that. Um, it's always been a show that's like, tell your friends and, you know, record this and give them a copy of the tape. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's always big, been a big part of the, the culture. So, uh, the fact that that one's not on there, it has to be because of that. There's just that one. And there's a Godzilla one that you can't get. And again, that's a Toho movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, which they did release on DVD and then they had to pull them off the shelves. Mm. So it is available out there. Some people have them, but they're extremely rare and hard to get. And expensive, I assume, because of that. Yeah. Uh, it was I, like volume 10 and then they came out with volume 10.2, <laughs> which is the one that I have. I missed it. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, I actually have that Godzilla movie on Blu-ray on its own. <laughs> like vanilla. <laughs> it should be a bonus feature on the on the blu-ray it should be yeah honestly i mean don't get me wrong most of the movies that they do you would never buy on their own anyway but it is kind of a neat thing to do where you can like oh you bought the movie here's the mystery science theater commentary track to go along with and it it's like a it's like a trophy you know to have your film be riffed by yeah the mystery science theater crew they didn't do a lot of films i mean hell maybe i would buy twilight if it came with the riff tracks audio commentary <laughs> like that should just be all movies yeah yeah they should have the director's commentary the riff tracks it's <laughs> <laughs> a genius idea um do you know i don't know if you ever knew about this but see the ghostbusters dvd uh that came out like you know when dvds like became big in like 2000 ish 1999 maybe uh the commentary track had like a mystery science theater silhouette of like the three commentators in the bottom no. um but it only worked if you put it into four by three mode so you couldn't watch it like on proper widescreen and it was so it was, it was there was a lot of like oh, hoops, a easter egg there was a lot of hoops you had to jump through to get it to work because it was like a subtitle track but it had to like mm-hmm. be in a certain format to work properly um but hey, it was, it was this weird thing that I was like, that's weird. And I think when that when that came out and I had it, I never had heard of Mystery Science Theater yet, so I didn't understand why this was a thing. Like, why are you doing this? Why? why? Every other DVD commentary doesn't have this. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly an homage, huh? The um there's a every now and then it pops up. There's a Futurama episode where they go to the movies and uh-huh. then the people who are telling them to stop talking during the movie are like Crow and Tom Servo. <laughs> oh. There's um Arrested Development has a little commentary track for the fourth season when um they're doing the uh the Fantastic Four footage and then the only footage they can find are the mystery science theater version even though they never did it but like Mm. joel hodgson came back to like and i think trace bullview i I never learned how to say his name clayton forrester (laughs) they both came back to to do the voice for the arrested development and i heard community had an episode but i don't i've never watched it so i don't know i love community i don't remember a mystery science theater thing but i'd probably notice it this time if i watched it again though Mm, yeah I do, love, I do love community um no that's pretty neat that's pretty neat i no it's nice that it's kind of infected pop culture to an extent it's kind of a niche <laughs> pop culture thing so it's not something the mainstream people know about but us nerds us nerds know about mystery science theater <laughs> i'm a mystery science theater super fan that's true and when i when i first moved to the states and i was so excited to get the sci-fi channel mm-hmm. i i thought that like people my age would just know because clearly it's the greatest thing on television <laughs> no one knew what i was talking about so it was still just a niche thing yep that sounds <laughs> right i still have a t-shirt from when i right before we moved to the states i asked my dad if he would buy me a, a shirt on <laughs> online which was like a super sketchy thing to do at the time but <laughs> the sci-fi channel had like a a store and I wanted it <laughs> before we moved to the States so I would have something from Mystery Science Theater. And I still have it, and I'll go get it. Show and tell. Whoa, okay. Well, everyone, hold out your butts. Tara's venturing off. You can see Tara's cat on the cushion. He's kind of blending them with it. He's kind of a similar color. I know, there. isn't it cute, though? Right. Yeah. Let's break out this 30-year-old T-shirt. Look at it. You can still see the silhouettes. I mean, it's really faded. but So, yeah. OG fan. <laughs> <laughs> this shirt is... How old is it? 22 years old. Whoa. 22 and a half. <laughs> Hey, it still fits. That's a good. That's a good sign. It's a large. I got a large because I wanted it to be something I could sleep into when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. They, they did that little joke thing actually when they were coming to Netflix. They did like a, a scene from Stranger Things, and it made me want like all of Stranger Things. Mr. And I, and I love that show. It's not that obviously not like this is the thing. They always focus on bad movies, but they could easily just do it for good movies too, and it would work. Like there's no yeah, reason why definitely the movies don't have to be bad for the jokes to work. Is it? They did know. the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, Rift Tracks did. Yeah. Yeah, that made them watchable. Well, you buy you buy the commentary track, mm. and then there's an app you use, so it'll sync up with wherever you are in the film, and it'll just play over your phone. Or you can buy like actual movies that they've riffed and then you see the silhouettes and stuff. Well, not silhouettes. They just do like a commentary track over it. You can buy Birdemic and you can buy... Oh. Look. What's that Miami movie? 
Miami Connection. Miami Connection. Yes. I said that one in theaters. That was really good. Uh, yeah, I, I need to see that. I've heard good things about Miami Connection. I have seen Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Just watch the Rift Tracks. It's so good. Hard, Hard Ticket to Hawaii was a was a a trip. Is that the one with the frisbee? Yes. Yes. The the, <laughs> the frisbee and also the blow up doll with the rocket launcher. Yes. Okay. And the skateboard. Yes. Yes. To be honest, it's just those two scenes that you really need to see it for. But <laughs> like, but yes, that one. Yeah, uh, I need bird demics stuff to watch, but the scene with the the digital birds. Oh yeah. <laughs> My favorite part about Birdemic, apart from funny. the awful sound mixing that doesn't exist because you can hear the audio cut with every shot, but is at the start of the movie when he meets the love interest. Uh, at when, when he goes outside, he runs after her and says, "Hey, he he, he uses her name, and he shouldn't know her name yet." Like they've not shared each other's what? names yet, and I was like, "How do you how do you make that mistake? How do you do that in the script?" What? Ah. Oh. Upsets me. Uh, God, that movie's so dumb. All right, uh, <laughs> I think that wraps up our discussion. I think that wraps up our bonus section on Revenge yeah. of the Creature. Uh, the well, most important thing about it is that it's the start of the science fiction or sci-fi channel, and you get to meet Bobo and Pearl. Yes, yes. Oh. Well, that Pearl was already there because she she traveled she was the time. The yeah, she was the lawgiver. That was like the big twist. Right. But she was there before this episode, though, right? She did appear at least once. She Yeah, she was in the laser blast. She was there yeah. as Clayton's mom. And she was helping him pack. See. Pack up the big rig. Good, good, good. She was a very different type of character. Mm. Kind of like how when uh, Daphne showed up in Cheers before Frasier and she didn't play Daphne, she was playing a different character. Oh, I didn't know that. His dad showed up in Cheers as well, actually, played a different character. Um, also on Cheers Frasier said his dad was dead and never once mentioned having a brother <laughs> a lot of things didn't line up perfectly but it's okay because Frasier's such a good show you don't well, care yeah the important thing is Frasier and Lilith yes. and that lines up that lines up yes um, and Nails is a phenomenal character so I don't care cheat as much as you want <laughs> oh dear alright we're not here to talk about Frasier okay. though Oh, it'd be easy to do. We'll see you next week with the remake, the Steven Spielberg remake of this film. So. Yes, which I suspect will have a lot more juicy things to talk about uh, than than this version. Hey, maybe I'll make this version look better. Who knows? Oh, maybe. Have you have you seen the remake? I haven't seen it since the theater. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time for me as well. I have seen it, but it's been a long time. All right. Well, yep. That is that. Will wrap up the show. So we'll be back next week with uh, War of the Worlds 2005. Uh, we'll not have Mr. Science Theater next week, but probably the week after. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, but and I could promote I could promote stuff that we're about to do, but there's no point because it'll already be up by the time uh, this episode goes out. So it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> just go look for all the uh, top 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 of the decade lists that have been going up over Christmas and New we Year's. We all worked really hard on them soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> in, th- in theory, you're going to work hard on them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction movies, guys. And computer, that's salsa. Yum, yum.